are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, a community striving to follow Jesus and make disciples. Join us for one of our three worship gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Well, we're thrilled that you are here this day, this special day here at Southwest, and we appreciate the children helping kick off our celebration uh, as we break ground on phase two today of our worship and community center. Um, if you, as you came in today, you probably saw the staked out areas out in the front lawn, and it's encouraging uh, to see the area that's going to be built and become about approximately 8,000 more square feet for children here at Southwest. And uh, we are grateful for how God has blessed us with the children here that will be here, uh, that were here last night and, and will be here next hour. And uh, there are some Sundays back there in the children's area that it is just packed with kids. And uh, so we desperately need to take this step and we're excited about uh, today, turning some dirt and uh, seeing uh, construction begin in the month of May. Originally, construction was supposed to start tomorrow, but I think there was a paper glitch that uh, with the city that uh, it's delayed about a week, but it'll be starting in about May 9th. And so we knew that with Mother's Day next weekend that we needed to be able to do the groundbreaking this weekend. We didn't want any moms upset with us. So, so we're going to do the groundbreaking uh, today, and we hope that you'll be able to maybe either stick around or come back at 1230 for us as we turn that dirt and celebrate what God's done in the past and, and look forward with excitement of what God's going to do in the future. You know, I started getting texts and phone calls and emails this week. What are we going to do if it rains? Well, uh, you know, it's just hard to say with the weather what's going to do. So we just started praying that uh, God would just provide a window of time that we could get out there with some shovels and celebrate. And uh, someone told me that last night they changed the weather forecast to where it's not supposed to rain till later today. So I thought, that's pretty cool, isn't it? In fact, uh, I just started praying, and uh, I started praying that even if it did rain today, that maybe God would show up and do something pretty spectacular like he did last fall when there was a rainbow over uh, our church building, and a number of people caught it on camera, and it was just a, a great way to celebrate uh, God's provision and God's promises. And of course, for most of you know that phase two has been possible through the many ways that Lord has led and blessed our next-gen initiative here at Southwest. We saw our goal to have $750,000 pledged over a three-year period of time so that this phase two could become a reality. And it was exciting to see last fall that goal surpassed. And not only that, but we've already had already over $200,000 given toward phase uh, two, even though we're only about six months in uh, to that three-year period. So it's just really encouraging how God has uh, blessed, and we're excited about having the tools 
uh, resources and facilities so that we can live out the theme of Next Gen, which is to tell the next generation detail by detail the story of our God, our God forever, who guides us till the end of time. So with that said, uh, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time that we could be together as a church. Thank you for this day you've brought us to, this milestone day that we're going to actually, uh, in a ceremonial way, break ground with the anticipation of this month, construction beginning. And Father, we, uh, we thank you that what first started as a dream is now becoming reality. And Father, we're excited about that. And we thank you for how you've been at work at every step of the way. And we pray that you'll just continue to guide us and lead us as a church. That not only can we reach adults like those that are in this room, but that we can reach more and more families with children and with teens, and so that we can truly impact the next generation. We pray, Father, that you will just bless the rest of our time together. And I pray, Father, for your spirit to just guide everything that happens in this room and in the uh, in the class for the junior high and high school over at the Y and for those children back in our children area. And I just pray that uh, you'll really, just really speak your voice into each of our lives today. We love you, God. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead at this time and dismiss our sixth through 12th graders. We have a class for you over at the Y. And of course, when phase two is built, we're going to be able to have the sixth through 12th graders just be dismissed to their portion of the building, which is now the children's area that's going to be re-renovated for teens. Now, with that said, it seemed only appropriate uh, that we would also take some time on this special day uh, for an opportunity for parents of some of the youngest of the next generation to make a public commitment of being godly parents. And so we actually have uh, one parent this this service, and we have a couple next, uh, next hour that are going to be publicly dedicating themselves to be uh, godly parents. And so today we're going to go ahead and ask uh, Rachel Breitrick if she'd come on up here with her baby, Riley. And um, next hour, we're going to have, we're going to hold on that mic, if you could show real quickly, uh, Kennedy uh, uh, May Fishbach will be next hour. And uh, so we have a special Bible verse and meaning of each name picked out for them. But this hour, we've got Riley. And um, for each, if you can come on up here if you want to, and you can hand her all these things. For each, uh, uh, see, Tammy just thought she was going to sit down. I'm going to put her to work. Tammy's our children's minister. Uh, Tammy's going to be giving Rachel, uh, Riley, Riley's uh, theme verse, we've got a wall plaque. Her name means, it's actually two meanings. It can either mean small stream or it can mean courageous. Did you know that, Rachel? And so we tried to find a verse that would incorporate that idea of small stream and courageous, and we came across Jeremiah 17. And so we hope this will be a life verse for Riley. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It is not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. 
So our hope and prayer for little Riley is that she will be courageous and find that courage from, from putting her roots down near the stream of water, and that's in a relationship with God. Boy, she's so cute up here. <laughs> she's just staring at me. That's great. And uh, so not only do we have this wall pipe, but we have a Bible. Uh, it's a, it's a Bible beginners for toddlers. She's not quite a toddler, but she can grow into it. And we also have a book for Rachel about, it's entitled Dedicated. It's a book that's uh, subtitled uh, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. And so that's our heart's desire for Riley. Now, it's important you might notice that that in this parent-child dedication that we are not combining uh, the act of baptism in any way to this parent-child dedication because as a church, we believe that baptism is something each individual should intentionally make a decision about. And so our hope and our prayer is that Riley will grow up and make that decision someday to surrender her life to Jesus and then be baptized. And so we are excited about that coming true in her life. But what we really call this is a parent dedication. It's an opportunity for the parents to make a public declaration of their commitment. And I am proud of Rachel. Uh, because Rachel says, you know, she's a single mom, but she says, hey, I'm going to raise my daughter to love God. And as I shared with her what's in this, uh, on this certificate, she said, this is what I want to do. I want to make this commitment to raise Riley to love God and be a part of the church. And so for each of the parents, we're going to give them a certificate that both Tammy and I have signed, And we're going to ask them to sign it and keep it in a safe place, a reminder of the commitment they're making today. And these are the commitments that Rachel's making today. And by the way, these are great commitments for every parent to make. She's making the public commitment. She will take her responsibility seriously to pray for Riley and to teach Riley God's word. That she will do her best to train Riley to trust and follow Jesus that she will encourage Riley to eventually make a personal decision for Jesus, that she will dedicate herself to live a godly example before Riley, and that she will be consistent in bringing her to and participating with her in church activities. So, Rachel, in front of these witnesses and before God, will you make these commitments to be a godly parent? I will. I cut you off. (laughs) And uh, this is always a good opportunity for us as a church to recommit ourselves. As you can see, we've got children that were up on stage. We'll have more children next hour. And we want to be that church that's committed to providing the environment and providing the support for both the parents and for these young children. And so I want to ask you, if you're a member at Southwest, are you willing to commit or recommit yourself to being a a positive influence and partnering with parents like Rachel to provide support for children like Riley to grow up to love God. Will you make that commitment? There's kind of a different comments. I didn't cut you very good, but I got the sense that you were making that commitment. Let's uh, let's pray. Dear God, we just want to uh, lift up right now to you, Riley, 
She's such a beautiful little girl. And we just pray that she will grow up to be healthy and strong and that you will just help her flourish in every way. And Father, we pray that she will grow up to make a decision to trust and follow Jesus. And we pray for you to bless Rachel and that Rachel will truly be that godly parent and godly influence in Riley's life. And we pray that as a church, we can support Rachel in that. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Sound like Riley was saying amen. Either that or it's time to quit praying, dude. Congratulations. Thanks. We love you. Well, with that said, um, in the rest of our time together, we're going to continue a series of messages that we're in the middle of as we focus on the true identity of Jesus and what we can learn about his identity and how we should identify with him as we are serious about following Jesus and making disciples. Now, to guide us in this journey, we are focusing on the various I am statements found in the Bible, specifically in the Gospel of John. There are seven I am statements that Jesus uh, self-identifies himself. The first identifier that we looked at two weeks ago is when Jesus stated boldly, I am the bread of life. Last weekend, we observed that Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. Now, as a preview for next weekend, and I hope you'll come back next weekend as well, we're going to talk about how Jesus identifies himself as I am the good shepherd. Now, I think it's important for you to understand that that's not what we're going to talk about today. Although we're going to enter into that text today where Jesus begins to develop this thought that he is the good shepherd. So you're going to hear some of that. But the identifier that we're going to look at today, I believe, is possibly the most important for us to embrace as a church as we truly seek to explain to the next generation that they can have confidence in trusting and following Jesus, believing that he will truly be the foundation for them in their life, and that in him that they can find a security and a meaning for life that they can find in no one else. You see, it's so important for us to provide the next generation some, a secure foundation for their future. And yet this true security that we find in Jesus is so important for us to embrace in light of our first observation today, the insecurity in this world. Jesus himself is on record of saying in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. One of the things I admire about Jesus is that he was always extremely truthful. And he paints an accurate picture of what we can expect in life. Jesus didn't promise, as some TV evangelists do today, that if we just follow him, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be hunky-dory. But he, he doesn't promise that at all. In fact, he says, sometimes it's going to be tough to follow me. 
And sometimes when you take on that challenge to be Jesus' disciple, life at times can even be more challenging. And yet in the midst of all that, there's this promise Jesus makes that in the midst of the uncertainty of our world, in the midst of the insecurity all around us, that in him we can find peace and security. All we have to do is listen to the nightly news or, or pull up a news feed on, on, online and we find that, yes, truly, in this world, you'll have trouble. And yet the question for each of us in the midst of the insecurity of our fallen world is where do we look and where do we point our children to find true security? My fear is that far too many people settle for imperfect sources of security. We build fences and walls. We purchase security systems for our houses and places of business. We purchase guns for protection. And we spent countless hours and amounts of energy seeking to protect our future financial security. And yet in the midst of all those efforts, we can still feel incredibly insecure. As we long to impart to the next generation and future generations a truly secure future, we must point them to the one who promises true hope and peace in the midst of the challenges and insecurities of this world. The psalmist correctly points us to the Lord when he wrote, but you are always the same, talking about the Lord. You are always the same. You will live forever. By the way, last night, one of the kids left here. I just have to share this. One of the kids left as, as they were leaving, and they said, who created God? And I said, God wasn't created. I said, in fact, I just stole from this series. I said, do you know how God told Moses what his name was? And they said, what? I said, God said his name is I am. God is. God has always been. God will always be. And the little kid said, that's cool. God's always been. I said, yeah. And see, that's what the psalmist says. He's always been and he will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. My heart's desire for each and every family that worships here either now, presently, or in the future as we continue to grow, is that we can help the parents of those families and we can help their children find a firm foundation for life that will truly sustain them no matter what life might bring to them. It's so easy for us to think that if we can help our we can help our children find confidence and security by being well-rounded with academics, athletics, and artistic pursuits. And it's more important that we help them be well-grounded in a relationship with Christ. As I look back on my children's early years, and my kids are all in their 20s now. They're all married, and I'm grateful they're all through college, praise God. Um, And yet, as I look back on their growing up years in home, we have a lot of great memories with them in school and in sports and social events. 
And yet, honestly, if I had the younger years to do over again, as we were running around going to soccer games and softball games and basketball games and as they were going to science fairs and all the different activities that they do, as I, if I had it to do over again, I would be even more intentional and place even a higher priority upon impressing upon them the identity of Jesus, that he is the one that they can trust in, that he is the only one that can be the true foundation for their life. And I would impress upon them even more the importance of them uh, taking on as their identity, not that they're a good student or a good athlete or good at whatever, but that they are a follower of Jesus. I think that's the most important thing that we can impress upon our children and upon the next generation is for them to put their faith in Jesus Christ because it's only in him that they're going to find true security. As we dig into our main text today found in John chapter 10, we're going to see that Jesus describes the security of being part of his flock or the security for our notes purposes, the security of the sheepfold. Let's read in John chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. In these first five verses, as I shared earlier, we get a preview of what we're going to further develop next week, this idea of Jesus being the good shepherd, the good shepherd of our lives, of our family, and of our future. And yet this week, we want to take to heart what he has to say about himself that sometimes gets overlooked in this passage. It's a very important description of himself for his followers that we belong to his sheepfold, his flock, or as we understand today, that we belong to his church. Now, to truly understand this text, it's important for us to understand a couple of things about sheep and shepherds of the Middle East during Jesus' day. First of all, these sheep were not raised for lamb chops, okay, but for wool. And because of that, the shepherd didn't have just a short-term relationship with these lambs or sheep, he had a long-term relationship that he would seek to cultivate over a period of time, even over uh, years. So as a result of this, the the shepherd and the sheep developed not a short-term relationship, but a long-term relationship, which led them to have a great sense of confidence in their shepherd. Now, the other aspect of this relationship is it's important for us to understand that the shepherds of Jesus' day 
and Jesus' world didn't drive their sheep like a cowboy in the, the Wild West, okay? Or, or he didn't drive his sheep with sheepdogs, which is kind of the way we sometimes picture it in our mind. But the shepherds of Jesus' day gently led their sheep and walked before their sheep, and their sheep would follow them, listening for their voice, making sure that they were staying on track. You get that sense in this passage. Now, another aspect that makes this passage much more applicable uh, for our lives is it appears, another point for us appears in these first five verses. It appears that is Jesus describing this sheepfold here in these opening verses, that he's describing a community sheep pen probably in the village where numerous shepherds would possibly have their sheep stay at night so that the shepherd could go get some food, maybe go see family, maybe get a night of rest away from the sheep. And so in this description of this sheep pen that Jesus is painting, there's the sense that there's this watchman or gatekeeper that's keeping watch over a large extended flock of numerous flocks made up of a number of shepherds. And that they were probably protected by a wall because Jesus describes how thieves and and robbers are gonna try to climb over the wall. But they would be protected by a wall and that they would stay in that sheep pen until their shepherd would come and they would hear his voice. Now, Jesus does forewarn in this text that there will be those that try to sneak in to steal, to possibly even kill and destroy these sheep. But the good news is that the sheep had been trained to listen to only their trusted shepherd's voice. As I considered this word picture that Jesus paints, I couldn't help but think of some of the competing voices that are out there today to try to steal our sense of identity and the sense of identity of our children and rob them and rob us of the true security that Christ wants us to have. Author Henry Nguyen wrote that it's easy for us to define ourselves by what we do, what we have, and what other people think of us. Isn't that true? It's easy for us to identify ourselves by what we do, what we have, and what other people think of us. And yet after living on this earth for some 50 years and raising three children to adulthood, I've come to see that you and I and our children need a stronger sense of identity to sustain them than simply what they do, what they have, and what others think of them. For them to truly have lasting joy, hope, and peace, they need to have a greater sense of identity. One of the voices that we can listen to, there's a number of competing voices out there to try to grab our attention, to steal us away from our true shepherd. One of the voices that we can hear are are voices from the past, Voices of negative comments, maybe voices that spoke criticism or doubt or negativity into our lives. 
And maybe as a result of the voices we heard growing up, we still hear those voices today. We hear negative talk like, you aren't good enough. You'll never overcome this. You're just like your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. Or you'll never amount to anything. Maybe some of you hear those voices on a regular occurrence. Those voices don't build us up. Instead, they tear us down and they rob us of having the confidence to reach our full God-given potential. And by the way, parents, let's make sure that our kids don't hear those voices from us. Let's make sure that they don't hear those negative descriptions. Another competing voice that that we have to be aware of in our generation is the competing voice that we can hear in the midst of social media. Now, don't get me wrong. I I think social media is, is a good tool to use. And so I've got a Facebook account, a Twitter account. I've got an Instagram account. Uh, Andrew just told me this week about Snapchat. I don't think I'm going there. But anyways, you know, I think social media is neither good nor bad. I, in fact, I think as, as a Christian, I'm looking for ways I can utilize social media for good. And yet I think in the midst of the world we live in with social media, there's a lot of voices out there that can rob us of confidence in our sense of identity. One author and pastor, Stephen Furtick, points out, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind-the-scenes everyday life with everyone else's highlight reel. Have you ever noticed that when you look on Facebook or uh, uh, social media and you look at other people's lives, you go, man, they just look like they're happier and there's a lot going on because we're comparing their highlight reel to our everyday life. Let's make sure that we don't fall in the trap of comparing ourselves to others or listening to the criticism of others or the negative talk in our own mind. Instead, let's take our cue from our loving, good shepherd who speaks into our ears and into our lives promises of hope, joy, peace, and true security. Let's make sure that we are spending time each day listening to our Lord's voice and that we as parents in turn make sure that every day our children are hearing the voice of God in their lives through the reading of Scripture, through us reciting to them the promises of God. Let's make sure that as they grow up, they hear and learn and identify with the voice of the one who's called them. Let's make sure that we are giving ourselves and intentionally setting aside time every day to hear Jesus' voice in our life. You know, as I was thinking about this message this week and I was thinking about listening for the shepherd's voice. In the midst of my study one afternoon, I just came in the worship center and I just sat down over here on the side of the stage and just prayed for a while and just said, Jesus, I want to hear your voice in my life. I want to clearly hear how you want me to live my life, who you want me to invest in, how you want me to spend my time. And in the midst of that that quiet time and prayer, God really put it on my heart to reach out to someone in the church 
I hadn't thought about reaching out to them before I started that prayer. And, and so after that prayer, I got up and I, I listened to the voice of the Lord. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I just sensed God was saying, go talk to this person. And I did. And you know, wouldn't you know that person was going through a real difficult trouble and just opened up what was going on in their life. You see, I think if we have ears to hear, as Jesus said, we'll still, still hear him today. Now, although I think this is good stuff, some of you are thinking, I thought each week of this series, we're going to focus on one of the I am statements. Well, we are. It's the last point, but we're going to get there. Because Jesus, the third identifier in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the sheep gate. And you might go, wow, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Okay, bear with me, okay? Jesus says, I am the sheep gate. And in that, there's great security. As we keep reading, Jesus shifts the illustration to help us see the true security that he provides. Let's pick up the reading in verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. See, we sometimes feel that way when we're reading the Bible. So he explained to them, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. It appears in verse 6 that Jesus makes a shift in his analogy. At first, he, he paints this picture of this community sheep pen that shepherds would drop off their sheep and then they would stay there until the shepherd came back to pick them up. But in this section of John 10, Jesus is describing when the shepherd is out maybe on a hillside with his sheep when they're grazing and they're away from the village and they're away from other shepherds and their flocks. And at that point, when it was time to lay down for the night and to rest, the, 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 sheep, the shepherd would, would lead the sheep again with his voice, maybe into a cave or maybe into a walled-in area where there was only one entrance into it. And then to provide real security, the shepherd would then lie down in the opening. And in that sense, the shepherd became the gate. Now, why would the shepherd do that? Because by lying down in that opening, the shepherd provided a barrier, a sense of real protection for their sheep. If a wild animal wanted to get to the sheep, guess what? They had to go over the shepherd. If the sheep tried to get out away from the safety of the flock, they would have to crawl over the shepherd to wake them up. Now, when I first learned this aspect of this, this teaching of Jesus about 20 years ago, my our children were real young. And so I tried to apply this teaching practically to my parenting. So when Jane would be either out at work or, or uh, out with friends or out running errands, and I had the responsibility to watch all three children, this is what I would do. Now, I'm not necessarily saying this is a model parenting, okay, but I'm just being honest. Is sometimes I'd put them in the family room where there was only one way in and one way out. And I would turn on and put on a VD, v, 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 VHS tape. Okay, I butchered that. But uh, uh, not, not a CD, okay, but it was a VHS tape uh, back in those days. And I put it in so the kids would watch the TV. And then I would lie down in the doorway and take a nap, okay? And I thought the only way they're going to get out is over me. And the only way anybody's going to get in is over me. And so it'll wake me up. And I would just think they're secure 
I'm secure. Now, I'm telling this story after they've already left the home, so Jane can't get too upset with me. But uh, you see, Jesus says, I'm the gate. If anybody wants to get to my sheep, they got to go through me. And for the sheep to get out of the flock, they got to go through me. And Jesus says, I will sacrificially lay down my life to keep the sheep secure. Now, that's security. That's eternal security. As we keep reading in verse 9, Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Or I am the door, some of your translations might say. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In this passage, Jesus promises that through him, as our sheep gate, we can find both protection and good pastures. I truly believe this is twofold. On one hand, Jesus provides protection from those who want to destroy us and and lead us to experience either hell in this life or in the next. On the other hand, in Christ, we can experience a full, abundant, rich, and satisfying life in the present. And yet, not only does Jesus promise a full, meaningful life here and now, he promises us good pasture. He promises us eternal life, life forever with him. Now, that's true security. Do you have that security in your life? Do you have confidence that you are in a saved relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have confidence that he is providing direction and guidance for your life and that he is protecting you from going down the wrong path because you're listening to his voice? As we close our time together this morning, we're going to take communion. Communion was left for us by Jesus to be a time for us to remember him and to remember what he has done for us. But I also think that during communion, it's a time for us to sit quietly, maybe with some music playing, and listen for the voice of our good shepherd, the voice of the one who laid his life down for us to protect us, save us from evil, and to give us the security of eternity. During this time of communion, let's resolve to to say no to those other voices that try to crowd out his voice. And let's make sure during this time of communion that we hear the, the loving voice of our loving Savior who says to us as we take the bread and as we take the cup, I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I laid down my life for you to protect you and to save you eternally. I came to give you a rich, satisfying, meaningful life. I 
am your true security. Let's listen to the voice of him who is truly our security. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that in Jesus Christ, we can find true identity. That in him, we can find peace and hope in the midst of the insecurities of our world. Help us during this time of communion reflect on him. Help us remember how he truly is a good shepherd, how he was willing to lay his life down for us. And help us, Father, truly listen for his voice during this time and this week ahead. Help us say no to those voices that are just trying to steal from us our focus. And help us listen to the voice of your son, our good shepherd. It's in his name we pray.